0: Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy uh, and all of the overlap. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. (laughs) Have a few sips here. Today is Tuesday, February 2nd. I decided to move my chair and give you guys something different to look at behind me. (laughs) It's <laughs> just a few feet over from my usual office chair, but I thought my back's a little stiff today for no good reason. And I thought, well, I'll sit up in this little, um, kind of bizarre U-shaped wooden chair that was belonged to my aunt, my aunt Mary Jane Kennedy, who I believe may have gotten it from her aunt Catherine. Not quite sure the provenance of this thing, but it's kind of a cool little chair though. I mostly use it for an Ottoman. And there's books behind me, books and plants, everything a girl needs in life. However, my uh, laptop doesn't want to sit on my lap quite as well in this position. So I may try to figure out a place to do this so that I can. Unforeseen consequences. Anyway, for some reason, I'm just not super perky today. No good reason for that either. Hmm. Maybe the things are connected. Uh, I think my, I don't know. I don't know why my back is stiff. Uh, I did go out among people on Sunday and it has occurred to me that even though we're very careful on the social distancing, avoiding contracting COVID, there are many other things (laughs) that you can contract when you leave your house. Um, know given proof by the fact that like I haven't been sick all year from being so careful not to catch that I am careful not to catch other things but uh some things do uh waft at over different distances than you might get uh than the covid transmission vectors or I don't know I'm just feeling kind of lazy today Yesterday I um got Dark Wizard out. Yay. Which was good. Um made those final changes. I did do um a Facebook post on my conversation with Grace Darling. Uh, I'm amused by those of you who said that uh, you didn't realize that Grace's name is a pseudonym. She did it mainly for branding. She actually doesn't care that much if people know her real name, though I'm still not going to tell it to you. Um, but she, it's a great name. She picked it for the cadence and for, for the branding. She's, she's very clever that way. Me, Jeffy Kennedy is my name. So, uh, Jeffy is, of course, a nickname, but otherwise I am, I am who I am. Uh, And I do like to eat spinach as well. So that was kind of fun sharing the conversation with Grace, just because I wanted to, um, for those of you who didn't see the Facebook post or can't see the Facebook post, uh, I'm not going to reproduce the entire thing, but basically one of my beta readers, who I very much appreciated giving me the feedback, had picked out a few words that sounded too modern to him in a fantasy book. And I have ranted on this topic before, that the things that people pick out as sounding too modern for fantasy, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's it's entirely a gut reaction on people's part. And it's really odd that some of the words they'll pick out as too modern um, are actually very, very old words. And it's like, but it's alternate world fantasy. So really historical etymology doesn't matter that much. It doesn't come into it. But it is a thing that sounds not fantasy to people. So I uh, wanted to bounce some of those words off of Grace because she's dealt with the same thing. And, um, one of them, it was kind of funny because I'd used the word asshole and he had suggested that perhaps arsehole, A-R-S-E, uh, would sound more fantasy and less modern, which is funny because really all it is, is more British. <laughs> and I don't know why I would throw in, you know, like one Britishism, amongst all the other stuff, you know, so it's just funny. And we ended up getting into a fairly uh, extended debate about scorecard, because I do use the word scorecard. And he thought that sounded too modern, which I can understand. I mean, I I get why, except that score itself is a very, very old word. It comes from Old Norse and comes from the practice of keeping tally by scoring marks on, you know, like a staff or something like that. And they would use it to, you know, keep points in games and that kind of thing. Um, And Grace's editor, Mel, chimed in on the Facebook post after I reproduced our conversation, saying that card was the part that she uh, would quibble with. And she was suggesting things like tally sheet. And I was like, well, you know, tally always makes me think of tally ho, uh, which doesn't really make that big of a difference, but because that's me. But it's not a tally sheet. I wanted something that has the idea of a report card. It's it's a certificate that ranks a person's magical potential in various categories. Um, so all of these alternates that people were suggesting none of them gave that particular sense and I ended up just I, I kept scorecard because sometimes what happens is when you are explaining a complicated concept in fantasy and this is a fairly complicated concept um you're gonna lose readers at a different point than the word scorecard while they might trip over scorecard if they don't understand what this thing is that you're describing then it leaves them even more confused um more uh trying to think of the word I want like dissociated from the story uh beck mcmaster commented on a wonderful author too commented on the Facebook post and said, you know, like she once spent an hour trying to find a better word for truck because she felt like truck was too modern. And then finally she ended up just going with truck because there's nothing wrong with the word. And, and people would understand (laughs) what she was talking about. Uh, You know, going to these contortions to find words to represent things in a world that isn't even our own. Um, you know, we're, we're not doing historical research and you guys have heard me complain from time to time about that fantasy gets conflated with history and that often alternate history, uh, you know, like, uh, the lines of Al-Rasan gets called fantasy where it's really just an alternate history, uh, you know, so so you're not bound by historical word usage in a way that you would be. So anyway, it was kind of um, entertaining to go through go through that stuff and uh, debate. This is is the conversations that writers have, um, which are actually kind of fun conversations. If you weren't getting aggravated, trying to come up with a different word for scorecard that would still convey the meaning that you want to convey. So dark wizards out the door. I also spent a whole lot of yesterday uh, recrafting, because I'm trying to get better at this, the keywords for the book. And I did... um, because I wanted to apparently one of the pieces of wisdom is this that you figure out your keywords and you use those keywords in your BCC, the back cover copy, your book description. And I needed to put that in the pro- front matter to send this off to my proofreader so that she would prove that for me. So I had to figure out these keywords and it takes me a really fucking long time <laughs> to do that. Uh, hopefully it'll get faster for me. Uh, one of the, One of the reasons that learning a new thing like that uh, is laborious and mentally exhausting is because of decision energy. Making decisions takes energy out of us. It feels like it shouldn't, but every single time you make a decision, it requires energy in order to move yourself in that direction. And there's been lots of people who have studied this, so I'm just going to ask you to take my word for this. So it's why if you have to do a task that requires making many decisions, one after another, you end up being very tired afterwards. It's, it's exhausting. And you may find yourself unable to make a decision after that. Uh, I remember when I was overdoing writing and See writing is a process of making countless tiny decisions right you're writing the book and you're deciding all the time decide decide whether they going to say what are they going to do what's going to happen. Uh, even if you have an outline and you've pre decided many of those things you're still re deciding these are these are all legit words I feel. So when I was overdoing writing, when I was burning myself out, uh, one sign of this, I didn't realize it at the time, but I would be so tired at the end of the day that uh, like David would ask me what I wanted for dinner. And I, I had absolutely no, no ability to give him a response. I could not, I had no decision power left. I was like, I don't care. I just, whatever, throw something at me. Uh, And I think we've all been there, right, for various reasons. So it's something to keep in mind about um, things that take mental energy. And I'm going to pause here because I do want to talk earrings before I forget. Today's earrings are these pretty little uh, gold set seed pearls. I believe I got these in Hawaii. Aren't they pretty? I really do like these. I wear them frequently. There used to be three strands. And one of the earrings, the strand broke. I lost it. That's the story of my life. And I had given these earrings to David uh, one year and said, you know, this would be a nice birthday present. I mean, I handed them to him. I didn't give them. I showed them to him and said, "Um, this would be a nice birthday present if you wanted to get. These fixed for me because one of them still had three and the other had two, and so he did. He took it to a jeweler, and the jeweler solved the problem by clipping the third strand off of <laughs> off of the one. So now I have a matching set again, but it's just down to two. And uh, it was like not exactly, <laughs> nope, not precisely what I had in mind, but uh, it was still a. A thoughtful thing and at least now they match for what it's worth since I'm madam asymmetry. So what did I finish everything I was going to say about decision making just bear in mind about that decision drain oh and keywords so you know learning something new like that You have to make tons and tons of decisions because you're still you don't have the habit yet and that's what I wanted to emphasize is that this is why habit is very helpful to us because habit allows us to not have to make decisions if you think about like driving a car when you first learned to drive a car if you did you had to think about all the things you were doing you had to make constant decisions I learned how to drive uh, with a stick shift. So I had to learn to balance the clutch and the gas and move the stick shift to put the car into gear and then steer and then turn signals and watching traffic and all of these things. And so you're you're making lots and lots of decisions all the time. And it's it can be overwhelming and stressful. But after you've been driving for 40 years or whatever, you don't think about all of those decisions anymore. There's so much of it that is habitual. You know, you you turn on the turn signal with without even thinking about it. You're just your sort of your subroutines automatically handle those things for you. So that's one reason why, you know, like with things that require willpower, that require us to uh, work at a thing, to learn a thing, uh, to create a thing, the more that you can remove the decision making from it the easier it is on you and so this is the source of procrastination for many people why people have a hard time uh, actually writing because they have to make the decision to go right and it takes an enormous amount of effort to overcome all of the little decisions like do I make my coffee first do I have to do the dishes first do I have to tell my family what I'm doing where should I sit when you know all of these things if you remove as many of those decisions as possible then it's easier it's simply easier so that's why like for Dorinda Uh, knowing that she's meeting with me at a particular time, it takes a lot of the decisions out of her hands. She knows that she's going to meet me at this particular time and she knows that what we're going to do and that she's going to write and that it eases the way. It removes a whole raft of decisions. So something to think about. Uh, Remove as many decisions as possible and make them into habit let habit ease the way. Uh, last night I watched Victor Victoria. I had had it in my mind, uh, because I was, it it was came from a conversation with Dorinda because I loved Leslie and Lauren's role in that movie. And, um, she has that great line where she's saying, you know, the more you think, the more you worry, the more you worry, the more you think, think, worry, worry, think. Uh, so it was fun to watch it again. 1982 movie. I'm not sure if I had seen it since maybe I have, but I thought it held up pretty well. I am, you know, as a, as a cishet woman, I don't have great sensitivity to, uh, issues of homosexuality or transsexuality or cross-dressing and that kind of thing. So I don't know. None of it struck me as being bad and wrong and offensive. And I thought it was in many ways well handled. I thought it was interesting that I was reading a couple of things in the trivia. You guys know how I am that I sit there with my, my phone and look up trivia on the movie as I watch and I didn't realize that Blake Edwards had said that he chickened out that there is the scene where James Garner tells Julie Andrews, I don't care if you are a man. And he kisses her and it comes after a scene where he sees her. He sneaks into her hotel room and he sees her naked in the bathroom. So he knows that she's not a man. And I always thought that was kind of odd that he says that to her. And I always thought, you know, because at that point he does know. And it turns out it's because Blake Edwards said he chickened out that he wanted to keep it as James Garner, not knowing whether or not she was a man or a woman and really not caring because he fell in love with the person. Uh, But he ended up adding that in that James Garner does, does see. Um, so I don't know if people today would find that problematic. Maybe, I don't know. There are a lot of charming things about the movie and it was great to hear Julie Andrews sing as always, um, really an incredible range, incredible voice. But I thought it was also interesting. What I read in the trivia was that Blake Edwards and Julie Andrews both after they got married in '69, I think it was, so she would have been like um, 34, I think. I think that's what I figured out. I might not have my numbers exactly right, but something like that. And in the '70s, they both went to counseling to help them get through a career slump because they were both in this uh, career slump and depressed and unhappy about it and all that kind of thing. And I thought, huh. You know, it's just a good thing to keep in mind for all of us who feel like we are in some kind of career slump at one point or another that Blake Edwards and Julie Andrews got career counseling or got uh, talk therapy, essentially, to help them through this perceived career slump. And I mean, I think we would all want to have the kinds of careers that they had. Uh, that Julie Andrews still has. Blake Edwards died in 2010. I'm not sure I realized that. So, anyway, with that, I am going to go um, work on my own career. I'm back to writing on Sorceress Queen and the Pirate Rogue today, so that will be fun. And uh, I will remind you that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all on Thursday. You take care. Bye bye.